Good morning. It is time for Online Church. We're so happy to have you on Facebook or YouTube or wherever it is that you're tuning in from this morning. Uh, it's an empty house in here, so uh, we're ready to get started. I want to start off this morning with a word of prayer, as we always do. Heavenly Father, Lord, we just, we're grateful this morning for an opportunity to, uh, to get to hear your word no matter where we are. Uh, it's, a, it's a wonderful thing that uh, in this age of technology, we don't have to be present in the church house uh, to still be the church and to still hear your message. And so today, Lord, we just ask uh, for an anointing on this word wherever and whenever it reaches people. Uh, whether it's someone who's picking up this message months from now or it's somebody who's watching it live in this moment, Lord, I pray that it speak uh, to their heart. And uh, I just pray that your will be done today. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, the very first thing that I want to uh, let you know about, I want you to stay tuned until the very end of the message uh, because I want you to hear it all. Well, that's not just it. Also, I've got some announcements that I'm going to give you right at the very end, and so I want to let you know about that and uh, kind of update you on some things that are going on here around the church. Um, but we'll get started. So, uh, you know, I got the, the invitation uh, to do the message this week because, as you know, Pastor Dennis has been sick, and uh, he is feeling better. We'll talk about that at the end. But um, it kind of draws us to realize the situation that we're in. And uh, we've been in this COVID pandemic for like eight months now, uh, just, you know, since it really kind of hit here in America. And really, we're just now starting to see the brunt of what the pandemic has done in our community. It seems like right now. It seems like right now, uh, and if you've been on the news or social media or whatever, you've caught that Springfield's hospital is, is starting to get overwhelmed and the West Plains uh, OMC hospital is out of ICU beds. And so the stuff that New York was dealing with eight months ago is the stuff we're just starting to deal with right now. And, you know, it seems like eight months into this thing, it is just, it's like it's never gonna end. Um, and, and I understand that, and probably it's, it's very discouraging, and it can cause you to worry. It can give you those little pangs of fear. And so I felt, as, just like as soon as Dennis called me and said, hey, man, I need you on deck to, to preach, I felt that little antenna just picking up this message, and that message is one of, of comfort and peace, and that's what I want to share with you this morning. Uh, just, you know, give you something to let you know that God is not surprised by this situation. Um, he's prepared for this situation, and he's, he wants to prepare you for this situation. So I want to draw your attention to a time um, way back in Israel's history, their very early history. So God had, you know, spoken to Abraham and told him he would have uh, many, many children. But it took generations for that to really play out. And when uh, Jacob had his name changed and became Israel, he had these 12 sons, and these 12 sons were going to be the 12 tribes. And so God had started this anointing. He'd started this blessing on this family of people. And really, God's people were just getting started. This was the very beginning of what would eventually be the Jewish people, the Hebrew people, the Israelite nation. And right there at the gate of them getting started, a famine hits the land. And it, it hits Israel. It hits all down through Egypt, all around the Mediterranean. And... Uh, they didn't do anything to cause that to happen. The, the Israelites, it's not that his 12 sons had done some great and terrible sin and God was enacting judgment on them. The Bible doesn't tell us that's the case. It was just 
It's just one of those cyclical things that happen. Famines happen. Even pandemics happen. Uh, something on this scale has happened before, and it's going to happen again. And it's not that anybody's done anything wrong. It's not that anybody has incurred God's wrath. It's just the way that this broken world works. We have cycles of, of difficulty. And so this famine comes, and even though God's people were in danger, he had already made a provision for them. Uh, the, the one son, Joseph, the favored son of the father, had gotten sold into slavery and sent down into Egypt. And in Egypt, he was made a slave, and then he was made a prisoner. And eventually, he rose through the ranks and became not only you know, somebody who had been taken out of prison, but somebody who was second in command. And part of the reason why he was able to be second in command was that God had given him the power to interpret dreams. And he had interpreted a dream that the Pharaoh had had, two dreams actually, and knew that there were going to be seven years of plenty, seven years when the harvest was going to be double. And then that was going to be followed by seven years of famine, when there wasn't going to be hardly anything to eat at all in the land. And Pharaoh saw the wisdom that Joseph had because God had given it to him. And he made him second in command and said, I want you to take us through this famine. God didn't give Joseph the ability to interpret that dream to protect Egypt. He gave him the ability to interpret that dream to protect his people. And so Joseph stores up food for seven years and then he's prepared to start dealing it out. And who comes to receive that food but his own brothers, uh, God's chosen people. God had made a provision for them. And you would think, they got, a, they got a great setup. They came into Egypt, and the Pharaoh welcomed them with open arms, said, man, just send, send all my carriages and caravans and, and head off to, to where your people are from and load up all your stuff and bring your dad and your brothers and their kids and just the whole crowd and come on down here and we'll feed you and we'll take care of you. And it was great. Uh, rolled out the red carpet for God's people. And you think, man, this is great. God is setting us up. He's putting us in a fertile land. And you think, if God is in the middle of it, God's pulled me out of the fire. Wherever he puts me, I'm going to be safe. And that's true, but that doesn't mean it's all sunshine and lollipops. They're there, but over the course of time of being there in that place, the situation changed. And what had started off as a really good situation had become a bad situation. And we're talking a period of 400 years here where one pharaoh who highly favors these people is followed by a pharaoh who maybe doesn't favor them so much. And eventually we get to a pharaoh that says, these people are a danger to me. There's more Israelites than there are Egyptians because God had blessed them so richly in that land. They had multiplied and multiplied and pharaoh, the new pharaoh now sees them as a threat and says, I got to do something about these people. And so he uh, makes them slaves. And for years, they toil building the bricks that Pharaoh will use to, to build his cities and make his monuments and all this stuff. And they were crying out for help. They wanted to be delivered. Nobody wants to be a slave. Uh, I don't even know how many of them knew where home was at that point, even knew who God was at that point. You got to think, they're living under Egyptian rule and the Egyptians have all these gods that they serve. And you know that's getting on them. They're, they're experiencing that. And so God prepares Moses and delivers Moses in to, to deliver those people. And you would think, okay, well, here it is. We're at that moment in history where God is going to send somebody and he's going to fix it all and it's all going to be great. And so Moses comes in and he's like, yeah, I'm going to save you. I'm going to deliver you. God has prepared me to do this. He's told me to come and talk to Pharaoh. And I'm going to go talk to him and he's going to let you go. And we're going we're to go home. 
to the land that we're supposed to go to. But it doesn't work that way. Moses goes and speaks to Pharaoh. Pharaoh retaliates by making the work on the Israelites even harder than it had been before. Instead of just building the bricks, now they have to go and find their own straw. Their labor has been doubled. God sends them a deliverer, and their situation actually gets worse. And that's kind of relatable. You know, sometimes it's like, I'm doing everything, God. I, I think I'm doing everything you're asking me to do. I'm reading my Bible. I'm praying. I'm going to church. I'm trying to be a, a good example to other people. It seems like my situation is just getting worse. Well, the Bible bears that out. Sometimes that happens. Sometimes even when we're doing the right things and making the right choices, our situation seems to be getting worse. But God had a plan here. This was all part of a plan that was going to ultimately lead to them getting somewhere better. And you know, uh, God sends plague after plague after plague on Egypt. But there's one plague that I really want to uh, draw your attention to. <clears throat> this, is what, this is what God kind of spoke to my heart and what was the seed of this whole message. So there's a particular passage I want to turn your attention to, and it's in Exodus chapter 10, and it starts in verse 21. So Exodus 10, 21. The Lord said to Moses, Stretch out your hand toward heaven, that there may be darkness over the land of Egypt, a darkness to be felt. So Moses stretched out his hand toward heaven, and there was pitch darkness in all the land of Egypt for three days. They did not see one another, nor did anyone rise from his place for three days. So for three days, the Egyptian people were unable to leave their homes. They were trapped. Quarantined, you might say. This should feel familiar. Getting stuck at home and not being able to see anybody or go anywhere. But in addition to what we've been dealing with of not being able to leave our home, they had this darkness that had crept into every nook and cranny. It was a darkness, the Bible says, that could be felt. I picture it, when I'm trying to picture it, it's an oppressive darkness. It's like a wet blanket on you that you can't shake off. And the, the claustrophobia that's generated by that, just imagine what it must have been like to be that debilitated, to feel that helpless, to feel that alone. And we know that this is going to last for three days, which is a tremendously long period of time. But for them, they did not know when it was going to end. So they wake up in the morning and the sun doesn't rise. It's just this thick darkness. And everywhere they, yep, yeah, got to get up and Go to the restroom, get something to eat. I mean, you can't just literally lay in bed for three straight days. And, you know, they're tripping over their kids' toys and running into the walls and all this kind of stuff. Uh, it was oppressive. It was terrible. And I don't know about you, but when I get up in the middle of the night and I've got to go somewhere, it's not a thick, oppressive darkness. There's, there's a little light streaking in the window from the, from the street lamp outside or whatever. But I find myself, when I'm in a really dark place, I, like, I walk, like, really carefully. And I like keep a hand out or something because you just don't, you just have this feeling that there's something like dangling in front of your face and you're going to run into it or you're going to bonk into a wall that maybe I'm closer to the wall than I really thought I was. Imagine three days of just going on like that and darkness just pressing in from every direction. And I think there's some people that feel that way right now that feel like, man, I've been stuck at home and I've, I'm working from home or we're sending the kids to school. Maybe I'm able to go to work, but it's just this constant thing. I know I teach. So it's like our school is a revolving door of kids just coming in and out. And one week you've got, you've got kids on this side of the room, but no kids on this side of the room. And the next week it's the other way. And the next week it's, it's back. We've got kids who've been quarantined three times 
already. And I know people are starting to feel like they're just running in a hamster wheel. And I think that's, that's a common feeling right now. Um, so we can relate to this biblical passage, I think, better right now than we could at any time in recent history to know what it feels like to be trapped and alone and to be completely out of control of the situation. You know, when the, when the health department calls you and says, you got to stay home, you got to stay home. I mean, that's for everybody's good. And, it, and we're all stuck there. Believe me, I know I got quarantined for 24 days. I know what that's like. Um, it's not a lot of fun. But I want to turn your attention to the, the last part. I, I cut that verse off. I didn't finish reading the whole thing. So if you go back to Exodus 10, 23, it says, They did not see one another, nor did anyone rise from his place for three days. But all the people of Israel had light where they lived. And I'm always picturing this like, just this dark, just complete blackness. And in, like a camera just like, going through this thick dark. It's just in waves. And then you see this little pinprick of light, this window with light coming out of it. And it's like the darkness is pushing the light back in, but you can see this little glimmer of light. And inside that dwelling where the Israelites were, they had light. And where there's light, there's happiness, there's life, there's joy. The world around us is full of chaos and disorder. And if you pick up your phone and flip onto Facebook or, or whatever, you just see people who are angry and scared and they're lashing out at everything. I think a lot of our, our trouble uh, in this country with the way we feel about one another and the way we feel politically and all this stuff, I think some of it's just, we're just caged critters, honestly. You know, I, I put my dog in the cage at night before we go to bed, because I don't trust him not to eat the remote controls while, while we're in bed. When you get up in the morning, I mean, he's just biting at the walls, just trying to get out of that cage. And I think that's the way a lot of people feel right now. Um, and I understand that. But God's people should not be living that way, because we have light where we live. Um, God is willing and able to bless us in the middle of this pandemic. And where we are, there should still be joy and there should still be laughter and there should still be life going on. In our home, there should be light, light in our home. Uh, and, but now you can pray for that and you can say, God, you know, I've, I've been guilty of this. I've been really down by this whole coronavirus thing and, and I've kind of forgotten that you promised to take care of me and that you promised to, to see me through this thing. And, and I'm, I don't want to send the wrong message. I'm not guaranteeing your health because of your faith. Okay, it's not like, oh, well, I follow God, so I'm not, I'm not going to get sick. Obviously, that's not the case. Um, our own pastor is sick right now. Like, we get that. And, and it's not a guarantee that everybody in your family is even going to not only be healthy, but I can't guarantee everybody's going to survive. I mean, things, things can happen. And I get that. I'm not talking about your individual experience in terms of your health and your wellness. What I'm saying is, by and large, God's vision for his people is to still have joy and to still have life. And, and no matter what happens, God is going to take us, his people, through this. And, and he's got a plan for us. So there's a deal, though. If I can pray for this and I can ask for God to give me peace and God to give me uh, light in my home, and I think that's a worthwhile prayer to have, but God requires us to do something. You know, when God got ready to deliver the, the Israelites out of that land, the, the plague of darkness was the ninth plague. The 10th plague was going to set them free. 
But it wasn't just like, oh, well, you just hold tight and I'll deliver you from this evil. God said, I got stuff you've got to do. I've got instructions you need to follow. And if you follow my instructions, I can set you free. God has a way that we're supposed to live. And if we're going to be safe in this pandemic, and if we're going to have light in our homes, then we have to do our part. And our part is to have faith and believe in God. And I'll explain what I mean by that. So in... uh, the, the young adult class that I teach on Wednesday night, we've just started uh, looking into the book of Daniel. And Daniel and his friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they're a great example of what I'm talking about. They had a pretty tough situation. They're living, you know, in, in Israel, and then the Israelite people are all, uh, in this case, they, it was a judgment God brought on them that God had allowed uh, an invading army to come in and take over, and Babylon had conquered Israel and taken all the people. And so you've got all these people who are now living somewhere completely foreign to them. They've had to leave their homes behind. They're living somewhere new. They're they're under the control of a group of people that they have no familiarity with. It, It was desperate times. And despite that, Daniel and his friends had decided, no, we're gonna stay faithful to God. And it worked out great. God had had a plan for them. He brought them into the king's palace. The king said, I want you to pick out some really capable people who who seem to be intelligent. I want you to bring them in and we're going to train them up and we're going to see how they do. I want you to put them in school for three years, basically. And so Daniel and his friends are there and they're like, okay, you guys are part of this, you know, King's Academy, as it were, and we're going to give you, we're going to actually feed you right off the king's table. Whatever the king's eating and drinking, that's what you're going to eat and drink. And Daniel and his friends had the guts to say, I can't do that. Um, you know, we're, we're Hebrew people. We're, we're Jewish. And we have dietary laws that we have to follow. And I can't defile myself eating the king's food. And that took some guts to do. But they wanted to remain faithful to God. And in return, God delivered them miraculously from their situation. The guy that was supposed to be feeding them said to him, well, you know, I'm concerned a little bit. You guys just want to eat vegetables. And I'm supposed to be feeding you meat. And what's going to happen is, because I just, I'm, I got to say, this is what's going to happen. You guys are going to look scrawny and all these other people that I'm feeding are going to look really strong. And the king's going to say, well, what's going on? How come these kids are so scrawny? And I'm going to have to tell him, well, they asked not to eat your food and I I did what what they wanted and I fed them vegetables and then I'm going to lose my head. And Daniel said, I understand you're in a, you're in a tough spot. Give us 10 days, just for 10 days, do it my way and we'll just see what happens and we'll take it from there. And the guy's like, well, I can do that. And so he feeds them vegetables for 10 days. And after 10 days, they're bigger and stronger than the people who were eating meat. Why? Because God honored their faith. They were in a tight spot where they were desperate and they were really, they didn't know what they were going to do, but they chose, you know, I don't know how this is going to work out, but I'm going to be faithful. I'm going to do what God asked me to do. And in doing that, God said, ah, I like that. I like to see your faithfulness. You know what? I'm going to take care of it. It's not that God gave them a message and said, now the king is going to say this and this is what I want you to do. They didn't need a message from God. They knew what they were supposed to do. They knew what the law was and they couldn't break it. You don't need a divine revelation from God of how you're supposed to act during this pandemic. Jesus' life is our model to follow, no matter what the circumstance. And so they said, we're going to follow God's law, and we're just going to let, that, let the chips fall where they may. And of course, God took care of them. But then their faith gets them in trouble. 
And Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego get thrown in the fiery furnace. Daniel gets thrown in the lion's den, and it seems like a pretty impossible situation. You throw a piece of meat in a room of hungry lions, you know what's going to happen. But God shut the mouths of the lions. God protected them from the fire. Why? Because they were superheroes? No. Because they had remained faithful to God in a tight spot. If you want to have light in your home, that is possible. God is willing to do that for you. God is willing in the middle of all of this yucky chaos that is the the COVID-19 panic in America, God wants you not to panic. God wants you to have joy and peace and continue on as as you would as normal with a mask on sometimes when you got to go out in public. But God wants you to have light in your home. He just needs you to be faithful to him and do things his way. And if you will do that, he can honor that. He can honor that promise to you. I want to turn you to another uh, a place in Scripture and just kind of show you how this can work out. So um, Paul and Silas were, were preaching the Word of God. And in fact, the Bible says in, in Acts that, I think it's in Acts 16 even, that it starts talking about it. They, they had all these places that they wanted to go and preach the Word. And, you know, Paul's constantly going out and doing missionary missions all over the place. And he's like, well, I wanted to go to Asia, but God said, no, I don't want you to go preach the word in Asia. And he said, well, I wanted to go over here. And the spirit of Jesus just said, no, I can't let you go there. I need you to go here. And then Paul has this dream. And in the dream, he sees a man from Macedonia saying, I want you to, I, we need help. And so Paul sets out to go on this journey. And it's, it's not easy. You know, he's got lots of little connections that he has to make. If you read Acts uh, 16, there's all these little connections town to town to town he has to make. And eventually, he's preaching in a city. And there's this crazy broad, basically, following him around. And she's uh, been generating money for the, she's basically a slave. And the guys that owned her were generating money on her because she was making predictions and prophecies about people. Basically, she was a fortune teller, more or less. But God had decided to use her and had put his hand on her and had her everywhere that Paul and Silas went, she was running around behind them screaming who they were, that, that God had ordained these men and that these men were special. And Paul was like, I'm sure at first he's like, well, that's kind of cool. But after, you know, a week of walking around with this lady, just like yapping all the time, he's like, I have had it with you, woman. I cast your demon out. And the demon went out. And of course, he hit somebody in the pocketbook. And you know how that always goes. So the guys that were holding this woman hostage now had a beef with Paul because he had freed her of the evil spirit that was within her. And she could no longer do these miracle acts that she had done before. And so they haul him off to jail and take him before the the magistrate or whatever. And the punishment that could be dealt out to them was to have their clothes stripped off and be beaten with rods. Now, as much as I did not enjoy being quarantined for 24 days, nobody stripped me naked in public and beat me with a stick. So it wasn't that bad. I mean, it's not fun. And I've understood from people who get COVID, it's not a lot of fun either. But um, I, I didn't get beat with a rod you know, in public. And I didn't, it wasn't because I was preaching the word of God or something that I got beat up. So Paul has just been through a pretty, pretty nasty situation here. Uh, been publicly humiliated, been beat, and then been thrown into a dungeon. Paul didn't do anything wrong. 
In fact, not only did Paul not do anything wrong, he was doing exactly what God had called him to do. God said, he said, I want to go here. God said, no, don't go there. He said, okay, well, then I'll go here. And God said, no, don't go there. I want you to go here. And then he delivers a woman from possession and winds up in prison. And it would be easy, I, I got to tell you, if I felt like God had put, put it on me to start a church somewhere, and then the community that I started the church in had people coming in the door and getting saved and all this stuff, and then the police come in and burn the place down and publicly humiliate me and throw me in jail, I'd probably be saying, well, God, didn't you call me to do this? Like, what's the deal, man? I do not understand. But that is not how Paul reacts. If you look in Acts chapter 16, verse 25, I'm going to read several verses here. I guess you guys have the luxury of being able to pause me to find your spot, so I don't have to wait, do I? About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. We can just stop there for a second. That's their first reaction. I just got beat. I'm sore. I'm half naked. They've thrown me down in this dank, drippy, dark dungeon. I think I'm going to praise God for a little while. That's what they're doing. They're singing hymns and praying. And the prisoners were listening to them. And suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken. And immediately all the doors were open and everyone's bonds were unfastened. When the jailer woke and saw that the prison doors were open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself, supposing that the prisoners had escaped. But Paul cried with a loud voice, Do not harm yourself. We're all here. And the jailer called for lights and rushed in, trembling with fear, fell down before Paul and Silas. Okay, we'll stop there for just a second. Paul and Silas are in prison, surrounded by the darkness of the dungeon cell that they're in, surrounded by the darkness of their shame and rejection, but they had light where they lived because God gave them that light to carry with them everywhere they went. And even when they were in prison, even when they were miserable, even when everything was working against them, they had light in their dwelling. There in that prison cell, they had the peace and joy that God had given them. And they decided to celebrate about it. And here they are singing and praising God and singing hymns and praying. And all the other prisoners, who were probably just as miserable as, as Paul and, and Silas were, are like, man, what is up with those guys? And the jailer's thinking, what is that? I've, I have never, in all my days of jailing, had somebody come in as, as beat up as these two were and react this way to it. And in the middle of the night, the walls start shaking and the prison doors fall down. And every prisoner in that jail, and that jailer knew exactly why that had happened. They knew there's something, this has got to have something to do with those two weirdos who were in here singing all night. And the jailer immediately comes to them. Of course, this jailer, he is stressed to the max because it's no fault of his that the whole prison's fallen in. But if the prisoners get out, he is going to be the one held responsible. They're going to kill him. So he's just decided, well, maybe I'll just kill myself. And Paul says, no, 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 don't do that. Don't do that. We, we've all stayed. We didn't go. We didn't run. And the jailer comes to them and he's like, Man, I want a piece of whatever it is you guys have got. As miserable as you were, 
you're sitting here singing and praising. I want to know this God that you're talking about. Not only did God give Paul and Silas light in their dwelling, he gave them a light they could share. And this godless uh, prison jailer is hearing this and saying, man, I want what they've got. So verse, where were, I don't know where I left off. Uh, 30. So the jailer brings them out and says, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said, Believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your household. And they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all who were in his house. This jailer took them out and said, You know what? I'm going to take you guys home with me. I don't know if he had to take the whole prison home with him. I don't know how that worked. But he takes Paul and Silas home with him on, I guess, his own little version of house arrest. And they're preaching the gospel in his home. Verse 33, and he took them in the same hour of the night and washed their wounds, and he was baptized at once, he and all his family. And then he brought them up into his house and set food before them, and he rejoiced along with his entire household that he had believed in God. What a cool thing. Isn't that a cool thing? In the middle of a absolute desperate crisis, all Paul and Silas had to do was keep their faith. That's it. They said, I know the situation looks bad, but I have done what God called me to do. So, as Paul said at other times, I've learned to have it all, and I've learned to have nothing and be content all the time. doesn't matter. If, if I'm on top of the mountain or if I'm down in the valley, I'm content because I know God is with me. And in that moment, of despair, he knew, God's got me. I will either miraculously be freed from this prison or I will die in this prison and join the Father. Either way, it's all good. And I'm going to sing his praises. And God looks at that situation just like he looked at Daniel, just like he looked at Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He says, I like that attitude. That's what I'm looking for. I'm just looking for people to be true to me, to follow me, and to not just listen. Listen to what I'm saying to you. I'm not saying that. God's saying that. God's saying, listen to what I'm saying to you. All of the promises. Did you read my book? Do you not see all the people who are going through tough stuff? They didn't go through tough stuff because I didn't care about them, because they were being punished. They're going through tough stuff because life is tough, but I'm there. I'm always there. And I'm going to take care of you if you will just chill out and lay back and cast your cares upon me. My burden is light. I can carry you through this and you can have light in your dwelling. You just have to be faithful to me. It's all I need. So as we find ourselves in the middle of this COVID mess, it's not a sin that we brought on ourselves. God says, I know this is tough, but I want you to have light in your dwelling. I want you to come to me and I want you in so doing, in, in you going home and you having joy and you making your Facebook post or your Instagram story or whatever it is that you do, when you are constantly speaking peace and joy and happiness to other people, that light in your dwelling is shining out and other people are going to see it and they're going to say, what is with those weirdos over there? Don't they know there's a pandemic going on? Oh, well, yeah, I know there's a pandemic going on, but God's got this. Either he's going to keep me safe from it or I'm going to get it 
and I'm going to get better or I'm going to get it. I'm going to die. But then no matter what's going to happen, God's got me and he's got my house and he's got my people and he's going to take care of us and he's going to see us through this. And I'll tell you what, that is a, uh, that is a message that, that'll preach. People get really, really awful when they're afraid. And it's not because they're bad people. It's because they're afraid. It's because they feel trapped. They feel caged and they're striking out at everything. And when you see somebody who's just falling apart in front of you, you got to know they're just struggling with something heavy, something dark. And what they need is the light that God gives us. And if we can just be that light, if you don't have that light, I want you to get it. If you've got that light, I want you to shine it because that's what the world needs. That's what it needs right now. So for those of you who are already believers in God and you're already following him, you can look back on on the last eight months of your life and say, how much of a light have I been? And what could I do to do more? Is there something I could do to change so that my light would shine a little better? Could I go to work and be the source of positivity instead of another source of negativity? Could I go uh, and, and do something kind for another person? Could I just send a text message and remind somebody that I care about them? Whatever it is that you can do. If you're not a believer, if at this point you've, you've looked at this whole situation and you've said, you know, I just don't see God in this. He's there. And I encourage you to find him because he will give you the peace that you're seeking. So I want to uh, have a, a prayer here and then we'll talk about some announcements about some things I want you to know. Uh, but I just encourage you in, in your home right now, to just enter into prayer with me. Heavenly Father, we're grateful for the word that you give us today. And I may not have done a good job of delivering it exactly word for word the way you wanted it, but Lord, I just pray that the message is there. That you want every believer that's hearing this right now to be able to relax and know this COVID pandemic was not something that struck you by surprise. You knew it was coming. And just like you made preparation for the children of Israel in Egypt to have food during the famine, you've made provision for your people. And Lord, we just ask you in each one of us, forgive us, draw us close to you, give us light in our homes. Lord, I just pray today that you refresh our mind, that you restore our heart, that you give us a compassion for other people, that you give us peace. In the middle of chaos, Lord, we just pray that your, your peace would wash over us. Help us to be the light in a dark world. Help us to extend a hand to our neighbors, to our loved ones, and just show them who you are. Father, I just pray that you would make yourself real to each of us today. I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay. Uh, I trust that that word has resonated with you. It's been chewing on me for three or four days now, and it's been good. It's been good for me. Uh, I want to know, uh, a couple things I want to let you know about. First of all, uh, Pastor Dennis is getting a lot better. I've been talking to him on the phone pretty much every day uh, since he's been sick, and the first couple days he sounded pretty rough, and, and he's sounding really good now. So um, he's through the fever in and all that kind of stuff, and, and he's definitely on the mend. Um, of course, he'll still be out uh, next week too because that's the that's, that's what the CDC wants, but I think he's feeling better. I think he'd be ready to be back here next Sunday if he could be. That said, we plan to resume our normal Sunday services 
on October 25th, so not next Sunday, but the Sunday after that. Uh, the Revelation series that I was supposed to begin tonight, uh, we're going to save that too. I don't want to start that as an online service. I want to start that in person. If we have to finish it online, that's one thing, but I, I don't want to start it that way. So we're going to start the Revelation series that same night, so Sunday, October 25th. Of course, all this is pending some sort of change, but so far as we know, that's when we plan to resume. Uh, our first Wednesday service back will be Wednesday, October 28th. So just like we're canceling the two Sunday night services, we're canceling the next two Wednesday night services as well. The principal reduction offering that was supposed to happen today, uh, we're going to hold that off too. Um, and we're actually going to hold that not the Sunday we come back, the 25th, but uh, November 1st. So that give everybody plenty of time. If, if you completely forget about it and you come back in that first Sunday back, we're not going to hit you with that right away. Uh, so that'll be November 1st. And on that note, uh, our people here at this church are always so good to give um, and to, to make their tithes, to to double up on tithes when they come back after they've been gone or whatever. We do have online tithing available, so if you want to, to give, you know, we didn't, there's no basket to pass around here. So uh, if you want to do that, there's a couple of different ways you can do it. You can text any amount that you want to, to give to 84321, so 84321. Just text the amount there. Uh, or you can visit our church website, crosswayfellowshipchurch.org, and you can uh, donate there. There's a donate button, and it's the same platform. Uh, the last thing that I want to say to you is I just want you to tune in next week. Uh, we're going to be doing online church one more time, and uh, this is a good opportunity, so we want you to, to take advantage of it. So plan is see you here, same, same time, same channel, YouTube, Facebook, 10 a.m. next Sunday. See you then.